Welcome to Get It Done Entrepreneurs, where we talk with founders of companies who bet on themselves in one. My name is Rich Lebrun, and I am the founder and CEO of Lebrun Advisory Group. You can find us at rlebrun.com. Our mission is to help our clients build wealth through business ownership. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Our special guest today is Joshua Gillow, founder of Yes Express. Joshua is the founder of Yes Express, a company teaching outdoor living contractors the systems that grant the ability to successfully sell on the worst day of their life. His passion is outdoor living, having operated his own outdoor living and landscaping design build company for 24 years. He's a serial entrepreneur. Joshua is passionate about sharing his expertise with other emerging business owners. He's an award-winning landscape designer in his, in his uh, desire for, in his passions for natural beauty and timeless design are evident in every project he takes. Joshua lives with his family in Broadheadsville, Pennsylvania. And with that said, welcome, Joshua. Thank you, Rich. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I'm looking forward to the contract uh, conversation. I was actually in commercial real estate for uh, 30 years. So uh, I work with a lot of people in the landscape business and design, and I think it's a very artistic talent. And we're all the benefactors of the consumers of the work that you do. So I'd love to hear your story. 24 years ago, you started a business. So uh, obviously, you got some history here. But tell us the story how how you got into business, what caused you to get into business, and maybe some of the decision-making that you had to go through to actually, you know, bet on yourself. Absolutely. That's a great conversation. And I guess I'll just start out in the very, very beginning. I got to, I have to blame my mother for everything. She started the first family business. She started a garden center on and I was about five years old. Uh, she loved growing plants. And my brother is about 18 months younger than me. And, and I were, you know, kind of going to school and she's like, what am I going to do now? And she was a stay at home mom. So she started raising plants and said, I have extras. Let's start sending, you know, selling them to people. And so she started selling and people would come around the house in and out of the patio and buy the extra tomato plants and things. And anyway, that's how this all started out. And she had an entrepreneurial spirit. My father at the time is was a meat manager at a, uh, a local supermarket and, uh, you know, farming background, all of that. So, you know, very humble beginnings. And she, um, you know, she said, hey, I want to start, you know, making some money doing this and sell my stuff. So she did. And over time, my father eventually retired out of what he did and went full time with the, you know, he had to go all in as well with my mother. And my brother and I were raised in a, in a garden center. You know, we started with that one little uh, area in our porch, little patio area that we were selling from, and then eventually have 12 greenhouses and, uh, you know, running a, a very successful garden center. And my brother and I got the opportunity to grow up in that model and to learn how to communicate with people and help solve problems and work seven days a week and not get paid. Because that's what you do in family business, right? <laughs> you work your tail off and everybody has food on the table. And you just, in my world, it just wasn't more. We'd actually go on weekends as we got older, we'd go to local farms and work for $20 a day. And we thought we were making bank. We're like, wow, it's a lot more than we had before, right? But it was never about money. My father instilled in me young, my brother too, but this concept of, you know, when you find your passion for what you're doing, the money will follow in time. It just, when I was younger, it just wouldn't follow me when I was working there. So <laughs> anyway, I wouldn't take back a day there, but, you know, we grew up uh, running the, the garden center and working and building and becoming, you know, you had to be a jack of all trades. So anyway, uh, fast forward through there, by the time I got about 16, 17, we started having customers come into the garden center and they were asking for, uh, asking us if we'd start installing things. 
So we're like, hey, can you plant these trees, these bushes? Will you build a patio for me? Will you do a water feature? Will you do this? Will you do that? And we're like, yeah, I guess. And we, I'm thinking maybe they'll pay us. This would be nice, right? <laughs> Actually, it makes some money. So we went out there and I'll never forget, Rich, the first time I uh, we closed the deal and I made $1,000 in a day. I was like, holy crap. I made a thousand dollars seven days in a week. <laughs> like I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is amazing. So anyway, we started a business at that point. My father, my brother and I came together and we started a business. We called it Timber Rock Landscaping. And we would go out and in the beginning, it was basic stuff. We had the proverbial wheelbarrow and shovels and a dump and a truck. We didn't have a dump truck. And it was the truck with one of those crank things on the tailgate. And we'd go out and we'd make money and we were happy as, as ever because you could make cash. It's amazing. Anyway, so things started growing. People started asking for more stuff. My background and my passion was in design. So it was more like, okay, let's start integrating the two together. And we started going from little patios and little fixer upper type stuff into outdoor living. Like it's just, that was the time when it first started to become a word that we, we started to use. We started to look at our backyards not as just a space, you just threw a couple of lawn chairs and went out three times a year and got eaten by mosquitoes, but by, by an extension, an actual extension of our living space. So we grew that company and had a great time there. And after about 15 years, I decided to, to get away from that and start more into the design management side. So that was design build. We designed everything. We built everything with our crews, our trucks, our equipment, all that stuff. And it kind of wore out of me a little bit. I said, you know what? It's time for me to go all in on myself and start something on myself. And that was very scary. I was like, this is the first time I didn't have the support system in my family uh, because it was my own venture. And I was like, holy moly, it was, it was one of the hardest decisions I had to make. And I said, no, but my heart's here. This is where it's at. And, and so I started doing design manage where I would hire the specialty talent to come in and do it. And I would manage the project, right? So did that. And it's been about 12 years now. So 24, that was an older bio you had. So anyway, um, but then just started growing that company, right? And then I had to employ people and eventually... Um, you know, have a director of operations that runs that company now and, and staff that take care of everything there, an incredible team. I'm barely there now. Um, and that gave me the opportunity to start S Express, which is then after all those years, 25 years in the industry to teach others, you know, how to communicate, how to have a conversation because clients who are buying a thousand dollar project, it's one conversation you know, certain levels, tonalities, all that, like you can screw that up pretty good and still get the job, but a hundred thousand dollar project. It's a very different conversation, right? You have to understand your uh, prospect, uh, your perspectives, you know, mindset where they're at come from their perspective. Like there's a lot of other stuff that has to happen in the conversation. You have to be more aware of those things. So anyway, so we just started teaching our industry on how to do that. We do it through a sales process that we adapted and adopted and created over the years. And we now help them through that too. And we also help them go from that design build to the design manage that flip in business because it's it's different. It's similar to the client. It's very similar, but to the inside of the business, it's completely different. So we're we're helping our industry make that flip if they choose to. Uh, so that's you know led me in that direction to be able to help people. Now it's in the giving side, and then uh, I got in the real estate, the residential side where we did. Uh, I got a bunch of apartments, you know, and and that's a whole other story. But point is that uh, that kind of moved through, and within about a year and a half. I retired my family at the age of 43. And then I'm like, all right, what's next? Right. And then keep moving forward. And next thing you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm into the media space as well and trying to support the other businesses. And it's just fun. Life is amazing and so many awesome things to, to be able to do. But I want to go deeper with you after uh, in a moment here about how that, what it took to go from, I don't know what I'm doing to give me anything. I will, I will win. That was a huge jump for me. Let's jump right into that conversation. 
Got it. Okay. Go deeper. This is perfect timing for you. You set the stage for it. So let's go there. Yeah, man. As a kid, I grew up, I was in the marching band. I played the saxophone. That's how cool I was, right? I, I got a nickname stick when I was in school by the girls and that because I was always skinny. I, I'm the kind of guy that can't gain weight. I don't care what I do. I just can't gain weight. So I had the opposite problem of most and uh, which was a lot in my mind, right? I had a lot of this uh, as part of my identity, you know, and, and I carried through in business. I carried through a lot. Of, I, I lacked confidence. I laughed. I lacked self-esteem and all of that. So with a family business, you can hide in there, right? You can do your part. You can do a great job, but they're always going to love you. They're your family. So to take the leap out, right? And say, all right, well, I'm going to start my own thing. And this is, that means, oh boy, I'm responsible for everything. I can't blame anybody for anything. I've got to take responsibility and accountability for everything. That was scary. I'm like, man, what am I going to do? But I knew in my heart it was right. But I, I didn't, I didn't possess the skills at that time to be able to do it. So I, I said, you know what? I, I'm looking around me and modeling other successful people. And I'm like, there's one thing that other people are doing is they're constantly learning. They have mentors. They have, they pay people to coach them. And I'm thinking like, I don't have any money though. How's that going to work? <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, anyway, I read a book uh, and I'm sure you're familiar with it, E-Myth and uh, yeah. you know, Michael Gerber gets into how to, you know, systemize and all that. And I love systems. That's been the secret to my success is systems. Right. So I'm like, all right, so how do I even start this process? So I started working with systems and then I started getting a little confidence. I'm like, wait a minute here. So I can actually kind of take what I do and just put a step-by-step -step process in place. And then someone else can do it too. And the answer was yes. And that built a little bit of confidence, right? So I'm like, that's cool. It is possible. Um, and so, you know, I toiled in there for a little while and worked on mindset and, and I eventually hired a coach from the e-myth platform. And uh, his name was John. He was great. He brought me, he was my first coach and he brought me through a lot of stuff. Right. And I'm like, okay, cool. I learned a lot. And eventually that, you know, I didn't do that anymore. And, and then I realized, man, if I'm going to grow and I want to become more than I am now, I need to surround myself with people that are already doing what I want to do. So then I started going into coaching completely. So I'm like, all right, everything I do now, I want to coach around me. Right. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I don't care what it costs and within reason, of course, but I don't care what it costs because I know it's going to 10 or hundred X it's value over time. And I just have to take that hit now. So when I started training for American Ninja Warrior coach right away, right. When I started to, um, wait, 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 wait. you can't run past the American Ninja Warrior you trained for it too. For four years. Yeah. I trained with American Ninja Warrior and, and, well, uh, okay. That's, that's, a, that's an accomplishment in itself. It was, it was a lot of fun. I really, it was a good time of life. And that's that, you know, again, being in the marching band, not really being the focus of anything. Right. Um, that was the first time I'd ever competed. And then my, my coach is like, you need to start competing, you know, on a local and national level. And I'm like, dude, I never did this before. I've never been, I played soccer a little bit in school, but that was it. And he's like, no, you need to compete. So I'll never forget it. He says to me one time, he's like, look, there's this competition in, in, uh, in Brooklyn. It's called Brooklyn zoo. And you go in there, there's a bunch of ninjas in there and we're going to run some courses. And I'm like, I'm thinking like, is it really the zoo? Like we're going to go in like monkey cages. Like I have no idea what this is going to be about. So I was like, I just blind faith. I'm like, all right, Matt, if you say so, let's do this. And I was yeah. scared to death. I was so scared. I'm like, oh no, what am I going to do? What if I screw up? You know, I was so worried about what everybody else thought. I was so worried about everything. And I remember saying, all right, I might not have enough energy. So I'm going to drink a lot of caffeine, eat a lot of sugar. And then when I get there, I'm going to go like a freaking missile. This is going to be amazing. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I got there. My focus was not that good, if you can imagine. Yeah. And uh, I got to like the third obstacle and I totally blew it because there's a lot of rules and there's a lot of focus you need for this. And the focus was not my focus at that point. It was all about energy. So I, I bailed right. out pretty quick. 
I uh, went off on that obstacle and I was like, oh man. So I did that a few times in a couple of different competitions, trying to get jacked up on caffeine before I went through them. And then I listened to a book called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And he talked about just being present. And I stopped all of that stuff. And I said, look, I'm just going to go in there and I am going to be present throughout this process. And dude, I placed like third place in that competition. I was like, yeah. oh boy, this yeah, is yeah. huge. It's like, wow. Okay. So I tell you all of this because how did I finally step up and step out? And the way I did that was I started realizing that I was my own bottleneck. It wasn't the world. It was the fact that I am not the person yet that can win that game or right. yet that can run that business, but he's in there. I just got to chisel him out. And I started realizing that I didn't need more than me. I just needed more people to teach me how to find those things in myself. Mm -hmm. That's where the coaching helped and all that. And being on quote unquote on stage with Ninja Warrior and traveling around the country and, and doing all the competitions and things like that. It really helped put me in a position where I couldn't hide anymore. I had to come out and the things, all my fears and all that stuff had to come out and I had to fail in front of people, have them be like, like, what are they saying? You know what they're saying? Better luck next time. It's yeah. okay. They're not sitting there all night thinking about you thinking that guy's a loser. He just fell off that obstacle. I can't <laughs> believe he's a loser like that. Nobody thinks about that stuff. You worry, like I worry about yeah. that stuff for so long. And eventually I, I retired as a people pleaser. And now I'm more focused as just being a human being that's trying to help other people get past right. the same limiting beliefs that I had to go through. Retired as a people pleaser. I love it. What a great story. And thanks, thanks for sharing that piece of the story because you know, a lot of times people talk about business and I think it's just about business. Yeah. I mean, the widget you make, the design of the outdoor living space. And there's so much more to a, to a business about personal growth and learning and training mm -hmm. and guiding and winning and failing and, you know, getting up again and doing it all over again. That's business. Yes. Your widget happens to be outdoor design living. Yeah. By the way, which we're watching those shows today. I'm just amazed sometimes, you know, the experience of people building or making with outdoor living design and the money. Some of these shows are spending oh, for sure. hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's fascinating. And uh, and I think you definitely, you know, it's an, a very interesting, very fascinating industry. You've actually created space now that living space. You want to go out there and have an experience out there. I'm going to take you back a little bit, a couple of key questions, mm -hmm. and we'll jump into the second half. All right, you've had a lot of great experience. You're mm -hmm. definitely an avid learner. Yep. Is there any one or two things you, you can look back going, I wish I would have done differently. Yeah, I wish I would have gotten involved with coaches earlier, mentors. I honestly kept pushing away because I didn't think it was worth the money. I, I had this this concept that I can do it myself. I'm a mm -hmm. you know I, DIY. I can do anything. I can build anything. I can do all. I'm going to do it myself. It's cheaper. I know I I know I can trust me. That that's a big one. Rich was trust. Yeah, I didn't couldn't trust other people, and I didn't realize at the time it's because I couldn't trust myself. Mm-hmm. I would mm -hmm. say things, you know, we all talk inside of our heads. And if we, if, if we ever spoke to another human being, the way we speak to ourselves in our own minds, we'd never be friends with each other. Hell, he'd probably lock us up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So that's the constant story running in your head all the time. Yeah. So the question is, how fast can you change your story? How can you make that a positive? How can you be the winner in it? You know, yeah. and that comes from confidence. The only way you get confidence is from discipline. Well, you know, to have a coach, you got to surrender. You got that, you know, you have to surrender yourself to somebody else. And, uh, yeah, that critic in her head is not it appears to be our friend, but not necessarily by choice. Okay, the opposite side of that, the opposite of that, you retired your family at forty three. You know, you really got a work ethic growing up in the family business. Uh, you made some really good decisions too, but can you think of any pivotal decision that you made that really helped catapult you? 
or yeah, was, it, was it firing yourself? Well, that's that's on, honestly that's what it was. It was it was realizing that in order for me to get where I want to go, that I had to get the hell out of my own way. You know, when I start a business, I can't look at that business and be like, you know what? All right, what 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 am I going to do for the rest of my life to keep this business running? I say, how fast can I fire my ass? Yeah. How fast can I put a team together that is more competent than me? I understand the big, I'm a visionary. So I understand the big vision. I need to put implementers in place as fast as possible. And then we can scale quicker and we can grow. And I'm not looking to do hundreds of billions of dollars. That's not my focus. My goal is to impact and empower human lives. And we yeah. do that by helping others who might have the skill, the implementer skill, but not the business privy. So I'm like, I got the business thing covered. That's fine. We get the right people in the right place. And I can run the business side of things. You run everything else. And then I put teams in place to do all of that. So it's really, for me, the critical pivoting point for, for this time was, was definitely in the real estate run when I was, when I bought 67 apartments in nine months. Right. Yeah. And I didn't do that on my own. I did that with a mentor, right? He took me Ooh. under his wing and showed me the ropes and how to do this stuff. And that, you know, in that acquisition time was great, scary as hell, dude. I mean, I've never been so scared in my life. You know, I'm taking hard money loans out. I ran my hard money guy out of money. He's like, yeah. I have no more money for you. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm stopping at 67 for now until you get more money. But then I look back and I'm, I'm looking at the trail and I'm like, that's millions and millions of dollars that I owe him in 12 months. Yeah. Oh crap. Now I got to figure out this whole banking side of things. Right. So that was probably some of the most sleepless nights besides jumping into my own business in the very beginning was the sleepless nights of, because I'm a, I'm a ready fire aim kind of guy. So mm -hmm. I know why my why is clear. Then it's a matter of fire and I got to figure it out because there's no way of backing off. You burn yeah. the boats. You are hundred percent in, you have to figure it out. Yeah. So that's, what's launched me as well is because I just don't, I know I will make it through. And that confidence comes from the discipline of all these things, but you know, and then a year of stabilization, getting out of all that hard money and finally on the other side being like, because yeah. every day was they could take our, our home. We could be living on the streets anytime now. Yeah. And that's the kind of odds. My wife didn't know nearly his, how much pressure was against it, but <laughs> I was like, look, this will work out. Cause I will never stop. I will never give up. I will yeah. find a way. Yeah. Some, there is something about that. You know, we always say you can, you can make, you can gather as much debt as you want, but I don't care at the end of the day, you have to you have to decide, am I going all in or not? Cause you can't yeah. eliminate all the risk. Yeah. And my, my dad used to say, you want to learn real estate? Just go buy a, a condo. Just go buy yeah. one and figure it out. And then pretty soon you just add more zeros behind it. And, uh, right. and then there you are. Fantastic. All right, I want to take a little commercial break. I talk about Yes Express. Talk mm -hmm. about who your customer is. Got okay. It. And exactly what you do. And then we'll jump into this last part of the program. No, I appreciate that, Rich. So yeah, Yes Express, I started in order to... Uh, to help our industry. That's the landscape, hardscape, outdoor living, design, build, design, manage uh, world. Uh, help them have a better conversation with their clients. That might sound stupid simple, but what I found over my career is that you can eventually focus on getting more leads in the door and going out and talking to a bunch of them and hope like hell a percentage of them close, or you can have a better conversation with them, weed out the ones that are going to waste your time and only go to the ones that are going to pay you. And you can do that all from your office. That was a huge leg up for us in our industry, because so many people take advantage of free proposals and free design and all that crap. And we don't offer any of those things. But the point is that the industry is, is just overrun with that mindset of, yeah, not, there's no value because it's free. Mm -hmm. So we have to make sure our clients aren't looking for free, that they're looking for us. Because if they're just looking for a heartbeat and a handshake, they can find that anywhere. We want to make sure they want us because then we have a much higher probability of becoming valuable to them. 
um, our time is very valuable and I want to make sure that it's, it's pointing in the right direction. So we found that it was a much better internal rate of return in our business when we were going out to only clients who are willing to pay us what we're worth for what we're doing and not be stuck with going through 50 of them to find four or five or 10. Mm -hmm. The average in the industry is 25 to 30% closing. Okay. So if okay. you think about how much time that's roughly 75% of your bidding time wasted, take that time, give it to your family, your life changes. So you're through this organ. So this company, you're coaching other people in your space. So if I was an outdoor living contractor, you would be my coach. Is that how it would be? The yep. program? Coach, we, we have some online programs where you go on and you learn on the platform and then you come into live class. We also have a program where we do a weekly uh, mastermind where we talk about that transition from design build to design manage. And then I share my journey and all the stuff we've learned. I share my team as well. And all the stuff that we're doing with two people in our office, you know, on the design manager side with two people in our office, we do about 4 million a year and I'm only there for about three hours a week. Very nice. So it's so yeah. this yes express, you definitely, uh, you have a very single focus, but mm -hmm. does it apply to any other type of business or are you staying in your lane? Right now I'm staying in my lane because I want to give the biggest impact possible. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I think that, the you know, focusing on a niche is super important because I've been there. I've been through the, the ringer. I've seen just about everything possible in the last 25 years. And every day I get surprised by something new. So we're always learning. But the reality is that I want to make sure that I'm not just preaching something I philosophically know, but something that I actually have experienced. Because I believe that's that's the, the truth and the authenticity that's needed in our industry. Fantastic. All right. I'm going to sh shift you now to the, to the future. Okay, so here we are, 2022. You've had a business for 25 years. You've been through a handful of just ups and downs in the, in the economy. Um, I'm 68. I don't think I've seen all the headwinds come together like they have in this year of supply chain, labor, interest rates, recession, you know, politics, war, all at the same time. Uh, so two, this question is twofold. One is, as a leader of a company, okay, what kind of decisions are you making to uh, to adapt to this time and time frame? Are you you think it's time to retreat? Do you think it's a time to invest? You see it as opportunity. Curious how you see that. And then you as a person, you gotta get out of bed every morning, you have to lead the charge. So how are you doing that also as an individual facing these headwinds? Uh, great question. <clears throat> Rich for sure. Uh, my strategy is pretty simple. I've surrounded myself with the really smart people. Uh, to the point where I have CFO for one of the companies and I sit down and listen to them and their analytics and what they're expecting. They have a hundred company model and they watch the world and what's going on. And uh, so I, I chat with them frequently. We get a sense of what's changing, how interest rates are changing that directly impacts my world um, and what people are doing, right? What is, what is the buying sentiment like? So I'm getting a lot of feed information, feedback from professionals that focus on this. So I can focus on what I'm doing. I'm not an economist. That's not my job. Right? I need to have economists around me that can tell me what this means to me, not just you know if, if I'm in big oil or I'm in big auto or something like that. That's one way to look at the the, the information, but I'm not, right? We're in, in, a, in, a, in a market where people have less money, they tend to spend less, right? And, and COVID was crazy because we thought the same thing was coming when everyone locked down, but the opposite happened, which we didn't expect, was the fact that everybody was stuck in their house, they had access to cheap money, and they hated their backyard. So everything exploded for us. It was incredible. We never expected that. And 
So now it's a very different world, right? Where I sit down to the team after I've been, you know, advised by my advisors, what we're thinking. And I get a couple of different opinions from different angles. I can see it from the real estate side now, from the buying sentiment and all of that. And I can see it from the contracting side. I can see it from material costs. So then I make decisions. But one of the big things that I've done that's helped me with my sanity, shut the TV off. Talk to people that actually have feet on the ground, shut the TV off. It's all fear and gloom, doom and gloom. We all know that, but for some reason, our amygdala still wants to have us engage with that bullshit. I just shut the TV off. I don't even watch news or care about what's going on in the world, to be quite honest with you, because at the end of the day, it's all entertainment and I don't need entertainment. I need actual facts. So having those people around me has been amazing and being willing to take some risk. And as Warren Buffett says, when a building's on fire, that's when you run in, not when you run out. So I'm like, okay, what are the opportunities? There's opportunities in every market, up market, down market, doesn't matter. There's always opportunities. Are you keeping, as a business owner out there listening, are you keeping your thumb on the pulse of your client? Because they're the ones that are going to determine what you need to be doing, not your product or service, right? If you're sitting there thinking about your product or service, trying to make it flash more or move faster or whatever, and your client doesn't give a shit about those details, you're wasting your time. What does your client want? What do they need right now? What kind of assurances do they need? How are you adjusting to that? Because if you lose your clients and you lose their focus, it's not going to help you at all. I want to pick one of the headwinds off just because you're a very heavy labor industry. Mm-hmm. And labor is, is one of the top topics still, labor shortage. Nobody can find anybody. And I always say, if you can solve the labor problem, you, you win the game. Yep. How are you dealing with that labor question and how what's your mindset behind that? And how are you uh, winning the game and the labor market? Yeah. So for me, I got out of the labor market 12 years ago when I started master plan because I don't have crews anymore. I have, you know, I okay. have two staff members that are incredible and we build systems to make them ridiculously efficient. But the point is that we don't have that issue directly. Now our, our we'll call them our subcontractors. We like mm-hmm. to call them our specialists, our craftsmen, because it sounds nicer and they, they, they've earned those titles. Uh, the reality is that they have labor issues. And the cool part when you're subcontracting is you can hire whoever you want. It's not about who you can hold and the talent you can hold. If there's a company that really excels at building really custom things, like say custom outdoor cabinetry or something, you can hire them to do a little itty bitty part of a project and hire somebody else for the other pieces. So we have more flexibility. That's why I like this model so much more mm-hmm. uh, because I have the flexibility. I'm a, I'm a visionary. We're designers by heart. It's always, we're designers who build, not builders trying to design. So it's a very different perspective of this. But to answer that question uh, would be that we have access to tons of other businesses that want to do this every day. They may have labor problems, but when we pay better, we get better. So okay. that's Which how we're going to run it. Which helps them solve their labor problem. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, good deal. Joshua, this has been uh, very uh, inspiring, by the way. And I applaud you for where you are in life. And uh, you. you obviously started out from the very beginning with good uh, work ethic. And you've carried it on through. And now you get you found your, you got off the, uh, the uh, field playing in the band. And now you mm-hmm. are the band leader. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Joshua, how can people get a hold of you should they want to uh, engage in your services? I appreciate that, Rich. So a couple of ways you can get in touch with me. I have a podcast as well. It's called Outer Spaces Podcast. It's everywhere their podcasts are. So Outer Spaces. You can also find me on uh, Instagram. I am Joshua Gillow, all spelled out. Um, You'll find me there. And uh, the Yes Express is yes.express. There's no .com in there. So it's yes.express. That'll get you to our webpage and all the information's there. Very good. Well, thank you for taking time out of your busy day 
to share your wisdom insight with to our listeners. And so on behalf of them, we are very grateful for you doing that. I appreciate that, Rich. Thank you for the opportunity. And I hope everyone out there listening got some nuggets today that they can implement and, you know, lead a better life. It's, it's what it's all about. I'm sure you have. We will have these notes put in the podcast in about two, three weeks when it goes live. So hope you have a great day, Joshua. It was a pleasure meeting you. Thank you. Same here. Thank you. Rich LeBrun here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Get It Done Entrepreneurs. If you are a successful business owner who would like to be on this program, please visit us at rlebrun.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form and we will reach out to you. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag GetItDoneEntrepreneurs. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, rlebrun.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.